This is Building Lifestyles, a show designed to help everyday Australians create a lifestyle that inspires them using property development strategies. On the show, you'll hear from everyday people changing their lives doing property development. You'll learn from their successes as well as some of the challenges they've faced along the way. We also talk to experts from a range of fields who share specialised techniques that you can use to accelerate your property journey. I'm your host, Amanda McEwen, and I'm the founder of The Rising Star Developer, and I'm really passionate about helping everyday Australians build lifestyle using property development. Welcome to today's Building Lifestyle. Today, I have a very special guest. Her name is Jo Vidillo. And Jo is a very well-respected voice in the property industry. She's an author, a professional property buyer's agent, and provides coaching to new property investors. She also runs Property Women, which is an educational platform that supports and advocates for female property investors. She has more than 20 years of being an active investor herself. She's a renovator, developer, so she really understands the buyer journey. So while juggling her property business, she's also an insanely proud mum to three boys uh, who's op- who've opened her mind to the wonders of every single boy sport known to man and has ensured that she never gets to wear white or gets to read a book in peace. Um, I have three girls, so I completely hear you about the craziness of juggling finance and, and family and business. Um, so sit back, relax, and get ready to learn from one of the best in the business. So let's welcome Joe Vadillo. <laughs> Thank you. What an intro. I love I it. Yeah. Insanely <laughs> proud of my boys are just insane. I don't know which one it is. It's school holidays here at the moment at the time of recording. So um, it's a challenge running a business and being being busy and navigating children yeah it is mine aren't quite on holidays yet but I know it's term time is like when you're really productive and then and then you go into juggle mode during holidays trying to keep them entertained and keep the business on track and I mean I guess the amazing thing that we both have the benefit of is that we get to work for ourselves at our home so we can actually do that juggle while doing what we love as well is that's the case isn't it yeah absolutely no I can't agree more it's one of the reasons I got into this space um it was, you know, I listened to one of your um, past podcasts and I resonated so much with your own journey and how you got into this space. And and I found myself nodding as I was walking going, yes, yes, I'm hearing her. This is exactly why I do what I do. And, you know, it's navigating um, your passion, helping other people, but also making it work in and around your own personal lifestyle. So, um, you know, I, I love, I live and breathe property, but it's also my hobby. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And as as you well know, we've had this conversation before. It's so addictive, isn't it? Like it's so um, you get so passionate about property, and and once you, once it gets under your skin, you're always you're driving past properties and you're looking at them, and you know you're taking your kids to sport and you're seeing this development side or this renovation, and your eyes are always drawn to property. Always, <laughs> it never ends. It never ends once you've got it. That's right. I know, absolutely. So you've been involved in the property industry for twenty years. So you've obviously tried many different strategies during that time. It's a tough question, but what would you see have been the highlights in that twenty years involved in property? Um, personally, or as a buyer's agent? Probably both, actually, because I think it's important to actually understand the personal side of it. Because that's really, let's be honest, that's a driver for why we do what we do. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, what are my highlights? It's self. It's a self. Um, when I achieve, you know, when you achieve things, it's a it's a it's a kick. It's like wow, like it's a buzz. This is the reason we come back and do it again. So, I've achieved a lot of goals I never would have thought 
20 years ago I could ever have done alone or not, you know, I just, I never foresaw the future that was out there ahead for me. Um, I honestly was at that turning point, you know, uh, before I had kids and thinking I'm, I'm, I'm in this treadmill, it's a PAYG treadmill I'm on. I don't, you know, I don't know. I'd love to work for myself. I don't know how, I don't even know where to start. And it all kind of evolved for me. I, you know, I went and saw, you know, uh, people presenting about property investing and I learned, you know, in the same way many people will be listening to this and, and their eyes are open to this new world. And it just it just opened up this absolutely amazing um, platform for me to, to grow, to evolve, to build my own portfolio and immerse myself. So um, the highlights have been how I've pivoted out of working in a corporate world and being somebody else's employee to running my own game. I've been able to help so many other people, like hundreds and hundreds of people, um, help family and friends and help people also through some really tough times, you know, uh, downsizing due to the death of a spouse, um, going through divorce and what that means. And and my experience, what I've been able to now share with people after 20 years, I mean, I've made mistakes, I've faced a lot of challenges, um, but I can bring to the table now that knowledge, what my grandmother used to say, well, how to go, um, you can't put an old head on young shoulders. Well, I hate to say it, I'm starting to get an old head. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but you've got to leverage off these people. Like, you know, you use the platform, use my use my experience and, and take and take the wisdom and and um use it ha- as you will to your own life. But um I get I, I really do feel a lot of um value out of being able to help others. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's certainly once you, I guess we we all tend to start this journey trying to satisfy a particular need, whether that's to get out of your job or to get rid of your mortgage or to help with whatever financial or whatever financial or lifestyle challenge you're dealing with at the time. And and once you get those needs sorted out, um, the I mean, it's still fun doing property and still fun banking money and stuff like that. But it, you really do start getting a lot more sense of purpose by actually helping others because you can only help yourself so far when it comes financially. And then yeah. uh, you don't get that same thrill and drive. I mean, I, I certainly from my own experience as well, you don't get the same drive from banking those big profits as you do as seeing the success of other people around you. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, I certainly resonate with your, having listened to my side of the journey as well. I think all of us seem to start with going to seminars, you know, going to free seminars, trying to expose yourself to so many different strategies out there. Um, and then seeing which one you connect with. And then interestingly, everyone that I've spoken to always starts in one way and then evolves into as you become more experienced or as you meet more people, you start opening your mind to other opportunities. And I think that's certainly, you know, I know my own journey was, you know, buying property and properties and then renovating and then developing and having a few other different uh, bumps along the way as well. So I know yourself, you you know, you're a property investor, but you've also done renovation and doing development too, aren't you? Yes, yes, yeah, and absolutely. And um, I, you know, as you're saying, like going to seminars, like back in the olden days when I started out, I mean, it was all about, you know, books and magazines and and trying to get, like trying to surround myself with other people who thought like myself, you know, who wanted to learn more about property because none of my friends cared. <laughs> they were remotely interested in it and I was obsessed by it as well. So um, now the, the internet, the way it is, and the, you know, the, you know, beautiful created, um, you know, mentoring programs like your own, Amanda, like there's just so much opportunity there and they propel for people to propel themselves so much faster than it did take for my own personal journey. Yeah. And you raised a really good point before, Joe, where you said, you know, you, you make mistakes along the way and we all make mistakes. There's no one immune to that. 
but I certainly even know when I started my journey, and I'm, I'm sure you're the same, that um, when you make your own mistakes and then when you certainly start investing yourself and learning from others, um, that also helps you be able to leverage off of their mistakes and, and think, okay, well, I've heard this person did X, Y, Z. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go another way. And I think that is a really underrated power of education, isn't it, where you can actually learn from someone who has the wise head on the young shoulders and, and learn from their <laughs> mistakes and, and fast track your own journey so that you're not starting from, from scratch. You're actually starting years ahead just by the fact of not being tripped up by those early mistakes that can happen really early on. Oh, absolutely. You know, my, my biggest mistakes actually was the one I didn't buy. And I, <laughs> and I still will drive past that area. And I'm like, I'm not going to look. I don't want to know what it's <laughs> sold for. You know, but it was early days of investing and a lot of caution. And I know a lot now and I know a lot of this is one of the beauties of working with somebody who is experienced because, you know, we are now well connected to people. We can get help pretty easily because, you know, there's favors that you can pull in and I can ask people to quickly review this contract. I really want to jump on this house. Um, But back then I didn't have my team around me. I wasn't at the ready. I had my finances approved found a cracker deal, but I wasn't ready to jump in that immediate moment. And um, and I still will lose sleep about it probably in about 40 years' time. <laughs> but it's just, it is, um, that's one of my biggest regrets. But now that I know what I know, it's the power of knowledge. So, yeah. And so, and, but of course, anyone you speak to, like, I think it's those, it's those experiences along the way, the mistakes that you make, the... Um, one of the biggest things I learned through doing renovations, I think, is that false economy mindset. And I, I hear it now even when working with clients when they're like, we want to be within two hours of what we buy. So on weekends, we can go and do it up. But it's like, how many weekends is it going to take you to do that? And how long is it going to sit there and languish? And how long is it you're not going to get your rent rental return on that property? So really think through that as a strategy. It's not It's not a very functional one you know you'd rather just get a tight team of tradies in there yes you'll pay a premium but it'll be done by professionals faster easier tap into some of your annual leave and then get it back on the market so I think that is that's the cleverer approach to that model but these are the things that you learn (laughs) yeah definitely and I've had that conversation many times with many of my students as well who may have skills such as be builders or designers or have this have skills that a part of the building or development process and they think okay well, I might save myself a few dollars to do it myself and then I'll ask them I go so why did you invest in yourself in the first place and they'll say oh it was for last I'll get back time okay so how is uh, doing the work yourself going to help you achieve that um, and I think that's the power of coaches isn't it right to be able to to challenge you on things that you know th- things that you may do and not even actually think about the bigger picture and as to why you're doing something. And I guess that's the power of having coaches around you and, and networks around you to have those conversations and, and to, to just challenge you on, on your way of thinking. Yeah, absolutely. So you also mentioned, um, you've, so you started up Property Women as well. What was the driver behind starting Property Women? Well, I'd love to say it was me starting it, but I actually was an attendee. So that predated my um, evolution into property. And it was started in 2006 because there was a massive need there for platforms for women to be educated um, in the room that was surrounded by compassionate, understanding people that that were just as interested in property, but with women in an environment where they didn't feel cautious to raise their hand and ask questions where um, they were the minority in the room, which was very typical back then, and especially in a world with property development was a bit, you know, dare I say it, it was a man's world. So that would have been quite an intimidating space for women when they're still making their inroads. And now, you know, thankfully it's changed. And for your daughter's generation, it's going to change again. But 
Um, that's that was that was the reason Property Women existed. And I came across this this um, event that was coming up in Sydney. It was a considerable expense for me at the time. I was on maternity leave, and I'd never been to something like this. I'd never invested in my own personal education outside of you know formal education for you know university, but. Um, I went along and it was an absolute game changer. The things I learned that day, um, you don't know what you don't know until you find out. You're like, oh, I didn't realize this is how it worked. I didn't know that's how you got equity. I thought to buy a second property, I had to save up from scratch again to get a deposit. (laughs) You know, just little things like, you know, in hindsight, people say to me now, you must think I'm so naive or I'm so amateur, but we all are until we know otherwise, you know, and I was, and I went to this event and it was that was absolutely pivotal, pivotal. So to our own uh, wealth trajectory and my own career, then moving into property, growing our portfolio and an opportunity came around. I stayed in contact with the directors of the business. Whenever they're around in Sydney, I would, you know, I put my hand up to be, you know, crew for their events and an opportunity came in 2015 to buy the business. And by then I was well on my own way of, um, you know, running my own company as a buyer's agent. And it was just a natural fit. You know, I've just got such a big uh, passion for helping women, mm-hmm. much like myself. You know, my backstory, well, really taking it back, is that my mum was a teenager when I was born. And I spent the first 10 years of my life sharing a bunk bed with her in my grandmother's house. Yeah. You know, she had a really tough start in life, given, you know, the circumstances. And um, it, it, it's, you know, it, it made me realise how hard she had to work. It um, it made me very hungry for success personally. And I felt I feel very much help. I love working around women. I, I, you know, obviously I'm a mum of boys. I'm in a very much a boy world. I've got four brothers. <laughs> be around the sisterhood, right? So yeah. that was one of the reasons. Property women's just my passion project, and I love being able to help women and um, support them. And obviously, I've got my buyers agents on my business. We're never going to shut the door on the boys at all. But um, it is it's it's something that just really does fill my heart with joy. Yeah, and that's interesting because I um even with my inner circle students, I was like actually looking yesterday and there's about 54% are women and, and the balance of men and the men that are involved typically have their, their wives or partners heavily involved as well. So I guess the pink in my branding must attract females and being a female myself. But um, yeah, it is it is really special to know that you can enable women who who aren't necessarily as well set up as, as men or and financially as well. But I also find it's really empowering because for women who do do decide to stay at home and, and be the primary carer, uh, if you have become from a, um, a profession where you're used to earning a lot of money and then suddenly going home and and, and raising children, which is such an important part of life as well, um, I, I certainly felt that I needed something else to be able to contribute to the family and finances and also just stimulate myself mentally too. And, and I've always found that has been property has been an amazing enabler for that. And I see that in so many women that I work with as well. So that's pretty special. Yeah, and that's where you do come into that teamwork when you're working with your spouse and one of you is at home and you may have that little bit of leverage of time where you can do that due diligence and things like that. So when I see that work well, and I love seeing the the um, couples that really just work well together, they're very supportive of each other. And I don't always see that. I do feel like sometimes one of them's all gung-ho and the other one's kicking and screaming and fighting it. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I'm very lucky that, you know, the collaboration in my own situation is uh, a positive one, but it's not always the case for people. No, and and look, you know, I know my own situation, Al and I, ooh, we have some heated conversations sometimes and uh, <laughs> over property, you know, one of us, more, you know, I'm certainly the more ambitious one and ours is the more risk-averse one. And, and But the thing is, and we may have different views on certain things, but we have the same goals. So we eventually get to the place where we need to be. 
But, um, but yeah, I think if you're clear on the goals together, you'll get there. Even if it's, sometimes you have some challenging conversations to get there. Yeah, that like, <laughs> I think we play the same role in our marriages. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? So let's explore being a buyer's agent because um, I think there's is certainly a key role in whether it's you're an investor or a renovator or a developer. Um, so let's just explore for people who are perhaps not familiar with buyer's agent. Can you just share with us what buyer's agents actually do and how long you've been yeah. one? Absolutely. I started the company for ourselves around 20, I always get 2011, 2012. One of, I think it was 2012, the very beginning of was the, the commencement of our company. And um, I was already kind of doing buyer's agents work pro bono. So by, a buyer's agent is really there to support you in that journey of buying a property. So, it, you know, it, traditionally it was always deemed a bit of a nice to have if you're quite affluent and very time poor and all the rest, but that is certainly not my only clientele I've just got you know the mums and dads investors and people looking for their own homes who are time poor individuals but they really need the expertise of somebody on the ground who is very well connected they know the agents they know how to find the deals they know how to negotiate they know the tips and the tricks that are involved in property buying um, how to leverage off you know poor pest and building reports how to negotiate longer settlements what to look for um, you know untapped potential added value and basically see that process through from the beginning to the end. And that would be, you know, attend an auction on your behalf. Um, even in, for me, I do a lot of strategizing with our clients, you know, and I'll come, you know, for example, like the block will be on TV and someone will go, oh, I want to go and do this enormous renovation. And you're like, do you have any idea how much work that is? How the fact that you've got twin two-year-olds, it's going, you're going to hate your life. Um, you know, I try and sort of say, look, maybe this is not the time in, in your time of life do some undertake this and the reality is most of them aren't going to sell for 800k profits at auction so you know so that's part of my role as a buyer's agent and I honestly spent the first few years of my business explaining why would you use why would people go well, why would I use someone to help me buy a property I can go on real estate or domain and buy something but we use experts to sell our properties we use an expert who's well connected has got a good database who knows what they're doing who can negotiate Yet people will go in from a, a place, most people don't buy houses regularly. I buy them every week. Yeah. And this is where you can make some of the biggest mistakes. You know, if you buy poorly, if you haven't looked at all the due diligence around it, if you haven't got access to the right software, um, you know, if you haven't even thought to look on the council's portal to see that there's a boarding house approval across the road, you know, like all of these things will impact that value of your property. And, and especially if you're going to live in it, you know, how much you're going to enjoy that particular location. So a buyer's agent really is there to be your concierge service to a fantastic property. Yeah, and, and you raised a good point there because when we sell properties, uh, we always pay a commission to the sales agent and that's just factored as part of your selling. Uh, uh, but, and we're better, but it is having been on the negotiating side so many times as well because I love that part of uh, buying property. You're right, when you, if, you, if you're not used to buying property, whatever fees you end up paying as a buyer's agent, you will more than recover by having someone to be able to negotiate or even if having a buyer's agent or an educated person helping you purchase, if they stop you from buying a property because there is a boarding house next door or an easement or something wrong with the, you know, something not quite right in your contract, just even that one saving you, can save you thousands of dollars just by avoiding the wrong properties as well. Yeah, totally. And look, most buyer's agents, you, you really would want to be working with somebody who is, 
got that aspect, like especially when you're looking at a site to work on as a developer, um, they really have good connections with agents. So you do get those off-market deals and, and those things, they come to me organically. But when I'm looking for a client, I'll reignite the fire. Like I'll reach out to the local agents like, hey, I haven't bought in this area for a few weeks or months or whatever the situation may be. But it's like, here, this is what I'm looking for. And honestly, they, it usually Thursday, Friday, I'm swamped with off-market deals. Yeah, yeah. And that is one key channel, isn't it? That unless you are aware of it, so much property is traded in the off-market channel, isn't it? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> People don't understand how much, yeah. Yeah, no, it's crazy. And I, I certainly know I used to buy used to buy as agents many times and um, I purchased investment property many years ago uh, in Queensland uh, uh, for my, in my self-managed super fund. And to have someone there going and looking at the deals, looking at different um, different areas, doing the research, telling me, okay, yes, no, yes, no, for all the different houses, opportunities that were there. And then having someone go, okay, well, here's a list of properties. What do you think? And then they'll go and check it out. And, and especially if you're buying interstate, yes. buyer's agency is a no-brainer. To have that person on the ground to be able to do those, those checks to make sure you're buying the right property is really, really important. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you help uh, investors and property developers find sites? So if I was wanting to come to you and, and engage your services, do I come to you and say, okay, I'm looking for um, a thousand square meters or frontages or a particular area? What sort of brief should, should we be giving buyers agents to get the best outcome from, from your skills? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the more you can tell your buyers agent what you're looking for, the better and that's going to make their life a little easier to have a really succinct brief. Mm -hmm. um, but if you've got like, it has to be a minimum thousand square meters. It must have 20 meter frontage. Um, my objective is to split the site. I want to have a house on there already. So I've got rent coming in. So if you really understand what that looks like, the more information you can provide the buyer's agent, they're going to be able to deliver for you. And that's, and then obviously your budget and, um, and yet, that's but it depends some sometimes I've got clients come to me and they go I just want to split a block I don't care I don't care but this is my budget and I want to split a block so it's like well what, what are you going to do with the you know what, what what exactly you want to do with it so this is where I get down to the nuts and bolts of those sort of strategies do you understand that you need to have it you know and money there to actually do what you want to do you need to have um, resources that there's council contributions you know and I need, and as a buyer's agent I need to know that it, it is there a call for you know, that block to be split. I mean, uh, is this a street full of 800 square metres? Um, so, yes. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Amanda. This is an no. example of mum's working during school holidays. <laughs> sorry. Mum, I want something now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you love it? I'm so sorry. I know you understand and I'm sure most people listening will have everything. It's always a You do your best, don't you? Even if sometimes you're, you know, you're giving the facial expressions, just tell a thousand words. <laughs> Uh, but I can balance kids work and talking on a podcast at the same time yeah, um, so if one. I can re <laughs> my steps <laughs> um, so we're just talking around um, you know just instructing uh, when you're looking at a split of site being able to give them guidance and really question how you know what their what their main objectives are from what they're trying yes. to do with their site 
Yeah, so I think what I would find out and what I want to draw out of my clients when they give me that brief, have they got the money to build on the other site? Is that what their objective is? Are they just going to be cutting it off and then selling the land? Do they want to keep the existing house? Are they going to renovate it? Or are they going to want to keep the block behind because they want to build a dual key and sell the existing? So I throw all these exit strategies at them or do you want to just move it all on? And therefore, have you spoken to your accountant about entity, GST, capital gains tax? You know, are you going to do one one this side of June 30 and the other the other side of July 1st. So sometimes people get this bombardment of questions, but they need to know what they're getting themselves into. And I think um, having, and obviously I can't provide legal advice and I can't provide that level of accounting advice either, but I know the questions to ask. Yeah. And this is what I say, go off, you get, build, build your team around you of independent um, professionals and go and ask these questions. So that's really, really important to me to make sure that they've got their right advice. But the last thing I want is seven months after providing somebody with what they asked for, that it, it turns on me and they come back and go, well, if I hadn't known that, I wouldn't have done it this way. So if they're armed and I give them all those questions, go and speak to your accountant. And this is where, you know, having been well-connected is if they don't have a really fantastic accountant, and it happens, They've got the same accountant for 20 years. It's all about tax minimization, but how good is that tax? So how good is that accountant when it comes to um, property developments? And, and uh, do they understand the developer mindset? And not every, not that we're not all created equal, you know? No, so absolutely you need to, Yeah. And I think you raised a really good point there because some people may think buyers agents, all you're doing is buying a house for somebody, but it's so much more than that because you're providing coaching and guidance around that house purchase as well, which I think is probably really underestimated um, as part of the skills that you provide. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and look, not all, but some buyers agents, and just on that, you find some buyers agents are relatively borderless in the sense that they will be a broader range of areas that they'll work in. And because I've been in the industry for so long, I've got I've got my favourite patches, and I obviously know some areas really well. But I'm also very well uh, connected with agents in other areas. So if you came to me and said, "Look, I really want to buy in Perth. Who do you recommend?" I can give you that recommendation now. Like I know who who to refer that business to, and that person's on the ground who understands the Perth market that's not my skill set but um there's borderless ones and then there's ones that are very localized and it just depends on who what where you're looking what area and if it's if it's usually you find the ones who are very much localized they might be a five kilometer patch and they're very much your owner occupier style buyers agents they're looking for your typical residential cliche home for a family unit to move into but our business has been about 90 predominantly about investors because that's my passion. Like, I love it. You know, I love the numbers. I love doing the number crunching and all the rest. So um, I do have, we do look after owner occupiers as well, but that is for me, I, I'm very, uh, very specific as to where and who I'm looking after when I do that. But most of our lion's share of our business is around investors. Yeah. Okay. So if uh, outside of yourself, of course, um, what should people be looking for in a, a good quality buyer's agent? experience I think is really important um, and that experience is them personally I mean obviously helping other cl the clients as well but I think it's really important to understand what their own property journey has looked like as an investor uh, have they bought have they sold have they renovated have they ever done any property developments and obviously this is a, have, knowing that they know, understand that as well is really key and not all buyers agents will it's just the reality that some are very much about residential homes and wouldn't have a clue what to look for they don't understand how town planning might work, what the resale is. 
So I think asking them about their own personal journey, experience in the industry, how long they've been around for as well, and if they've got any case studies of, of doing something similar to what your objective is. Yeah, and that's that's great because when I'm teaching my students, one of the key things I teach them is around building your A-team. And, and you can have not all accountants are equal and not all finance brokers, brokers, and there's no doubt the same with buyers, agents. And, and one thing that I certainly impress upon my students is always make sure that you are dealing with people who have experience in what you're trying to do. So they actually, they get development um, because, yeah, you can speak to an accountant and they've got absolutely no idea about uh, development. Um, and then suddenly you're paying all these fees for them to research, which is what I had when I very first started out as opposed to someone who gets it and understands the whole, you know, what you're trying to achieve and then can advise you based on the experience and the network of uh, developers that they work with too. Yeah, absolutely. So what does a buyer's agent typically cost to engage? Yeah. Does it really vary much? It, it can vary. Um, and it also can be dependent on the, the budget. So you'll find there's two two schools of thought here and some are a percentage of the sale price and others are a fixed price and I I personally have always run on a fixed price basis and the reason being is my objective is to try and save you money when I buy a property you know I want to negotiate I want to get you the cracker deal of the century um, and if my commission is tied into what that outcome is it seems counterintuitive. I'm going to get 100K off that particular site for you. And yet all of a sudden I'm actually like, you know, so so we we have an agreement up front. This is what the fee is based on, on the level of budget, complexity of the project. And therefore, from a planning perspective, that figure does not change. And that means you know approximately what your solicitor's fees look like. You know about your stamp duty. You can do those sums. Your buyer's agent's allocation of costs as well. And therefore, you can now just manage your numbers that little bit easier as well. So that's the reason I've taken that approach. Now, in terms of that percentage cost, you might be looking at around 1% to 2% of the sale price. And that's a very common way of doing, doing the business, doing that as well. But uh, most buyer's agents will take have a retainer. Yeah. Um, that could be a percentage of or just a flat fee retainer. And, and the way their agreements work would be you had nothing further to pay until they deliver on the actual property for you. So for me, if I have to, and that doesn't often happen, but if I have to attend one, two, three auctions, I'm back to the drawing board if I'm not successful. You know, there's no additional fee in, um, you know, put into that at all. Okay. And then how long would it typically take to find a site when someone engages a buyer's agent? You know, it's funny. It happens really fast. And it the opposite is true in this since people freak out when it happens really quickly. So I'm well connected. I'm out there in the market. I know what's going on. I'm flipping pancakes all the time. If you replace the pancake with a house, I know exactly where what's moving. And then someone happens to give me their brief. I'm like, whoa, have I got have I got the property for you? And they're like, oh, oh, it's too fast, too fast. So it's like <laughs> this has happened before. And you're like, okay, we'll let this one go. And it's taken me four months to find something as good of the similar caliber numbers and yield. Yeah. So I think you're paying somebody to do the job faster. You know, you should enjoy that VIP service that you're paying for as well. And when it comes to sites, sometimes they are obviously, you know, a different beast and there is a lot more due diligence that comes around that as well. But only yesterday I started doing this for a, um, a client that we're meeting tomorrow. They've done a number of developments through our business and I'm just making a couple of casual inquiries. And both times I've done this, the agents come back with a list of properties that are coming up in the market. Both were off market. And this is what you can do to them. You can slice them this way, do that, build this, carve that off. They both had existing houses on the large sites. Um, so it actually isn't, it doesn't always take that long. It's just a matter, it doesn't tick the right boxes. 
Um, is any of it, you know, flood impacted? Uh, what does that resale look for? So there's a lot of time in the due diligence. That's yeah. where a lot of time is. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm a big believer of the power of attraction, right? When I've, and I've found this my own site search. Whenever I've got my head in the game and go, okay, now I'm ready for a site, and you open yourself to the opportunity. For some reason, they just the opportunities seem to always happen. So, um, yeah, it sounds like a similar thing happens with you too. And um, so, what are the common? What are some of the risks that you see that developers face, and, and how can buyers agents help mitigate those? Ah. Uh, the risk I think um sometimes humans will want to finish what they started so if they had a goal I'm going to build three townhouses and no matter what I'm going to do that but sometimes the numbers make sense to move it along when the DA's approval's there and someone else will buy the site you know and there's enough there's enough profit in the game then for them to get out as opposed to hanging in there for another 10 months or 12 months or 18 months or whatever it might look like and some false economy of scale or just this sense of a completion project. If you go, well, look at the numbers here, that's actually, you've already made a fair whack of money and now get that out of the deal and then go do it again, rinse and repeat. So I do see human error come into play and these sort of, you know, just, you know, I guess we're all a little bit guilty of doing things. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Um, but I, I do help my clients. I hope I do. <laughs> Make, make sense of the deal. Like, you know, is this really the right thing to do? I know you want to see it through to fruition, but do you really want to lose 12 months of your time? Yes, you'll make more money, but the holding costs of that, that's going to come into play. And so, yeah, I do feel like I have to help people sometimes see the light. Yes. <laughs> Sounds very dramatic, doesn't it? See Not the light. No, it's very true. And, and one thing that I teach my students is, is risk first, profit second. So we look always look at the risks of the project first. Uh, and make sure we're take, putting strategies in place to minimise those risks. And then the profit is looked at second, because I think, as, as you well know, when you start doing feasibilities and you start seeing numbers, dollar signs can go in people's eyes and suddenly you're chasing the dollar signs as opposed to the risk and you really want it to work and you're not, you're, you're not actually thinking about all the things that could go wrong. Um, so, yeah, that's one thing that I certainly teach my students. Risk first, profit second. And then when we get into a deal, we're always trying to work out how to get out of it. So starting with the end in mind are probably two key philosophies that uh, I impress upon my students. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And this is what I do say to people, like, these are your exit strategies. You can do this and leave then. You can keep that and sell that and do, you know. So I do like a few different exit strategies. And because people do get nervous, they feel like I, I should get the investment property. I know I should, but I'm really, really nervous. And it's like, what's the worst case scenario here? Can you know? Can you tread water? Like, can you put the rent up? Can you, you know? I just sort of share with them what what the what it looks like. And also, when I'm buying for a client, we are predominantly about capital cities or really busy major regional hubs. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not a very like just throw somebody out into the bush somewhere because there's some land you can split up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I feel like we mitigate a lot of risk up front. Yeah. No, that that sounds good. So, what areas do you cover as part of your buyers agency? Now, I know it sounds absolutely enormous, but it's like pretty much where we're stre our strength is, is Sydney and probably within about, say, two hours north of Sydney. And that that hub there is is quite expansive. And that's that's what a lot, a lot of the work we do is there. And we've got a team also that are in Brisbane. And I do fly up to Brisbane quite a lot. We've got a number of different projects ourselves up there. That's where I've done my own property developments. I'm building up there myself at the moment. So, and that tends to be just Brisbane. And that means Brisbane City Council, Ipswich, Logan, Moreton Bay as well. Very, very well experienced in that particular precinct. There have been anomalies to this. I have done regional, as I said, regional, um, you know, areas, uh, Gold Coast. 
So of course there are outliers to that, but they do tend to be our strongest points as a company. Okay. Mm. okay. And, and you mentioned before you've got contacts in other states. What other states can you cover as well? All major capital cities. Probably Darwin well, would take that out of the mix, but yeah, all major capital cities and Canberra. Okay. Yeah, just where and look if you're looking for a buyer's agent, there's obviously some organizations that you can lean on that have got those really strong referral bases as well. But that's one of the reasons of property women exist, so that people can come to me and go, I really need an accountant, I really need a solicitor, um, I need a financial planner and insert buyer's agent for whatever area. So they're the sorts of things that I honestly, if people, if I've given someone a referral and they've come back to me with a less than glowing review we just don't refer that business on again, you know, for whatever reason, but someone could be fantastic for six years and whatever they're overloaded, they're too busy and the feedback isn't positive. Well, you know, we don't pass those numbers on anymore. Same with clients for mortgage brokers. We're a really strong advocate for working with brokers over going direct to banks. So, yeah. you know, we pass those details on. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, so, and I'm the same as well. You always want to make sure that you're passing on a recommendation that you feel comfortable that uh, you know people trust hearing from somebody who's actually had an experience with that person. So, I hear you there. So we're almost out of time. So I'd like, what three tips could you give to somebody who's just starting out and not quite sure? I think you might have covered this earlier, but uh, three <laughs> tips that someone can take away um, to really help kickstart their their property journey, develop whether it's development or developing for investing or developing for profit. Um, my three tips, I think get a mentor is really important. I really believe that you're going to get to where you want to be much faster. It's like having that map, that map there ready for you to go. Um, so investing yourself is really important. And, and again, people come down with this false economy mindset where it's like, I want to save money. I don't want to spend any more money, but people forget that you can spend some to gain so much more. And it's not even just money. It's time. You know, if you, if you, if you invest poorly, that can set you back five years, 10 years, you know, and that's a big chunk of time in a window of adulthood there. You just, your banks don't always throw money at you once you've had your 50th birthday party and beyond. So, um, so get yourself a mentor, um, surround yourself with like-minded thinkers, you know, and I think that that comes down to community, like property women community. And I imagine your community is probably very supportive of one another. Really? I, I I think it's really important to, I, I'm always motivated by other people's stories and, and inspira- inspired by them. So it is having that, um, having the team that you can lean on and, and, and sometimes it's just tax tips that you didn't mm-hmm. even know existed. You're like, oh, I'm going to run that one past my accountant, you know? And the thing is that, if you're around like-minded thinkers, you're you're spurred on to do more and more and more. But there are always those friends of yours that mean no, they don't mean bad by it. They love you, but there are the negative Nancy thinkers. And I don't think they're the most positive people. To, so there's some things that I've done that I haven't shared with certain people because I just don't know, I just don't need the commentary on the sideline. Yeah. So we've got we've got mentors, um oh, like-minded thinkers. I think, yes, surrounding yourself with a team of experts independently um, of each other. And the reason I say that there are some property groups out there that's like we're a one-stop shop for everything. And that does sometimes make me a little bit nervous that they're not independent, um, you know, licensed professionals because you want that outside source to go, oh, that's a really unusual decision. What, what, you know, challenge the, you want someone to challenge the ideas and those people are your mortgage broker, your accountant, a solicitor, which will obviously change depending on what state you're buying in as well. A buyer's agent really will save you time and money. And that expertise is going to make a massive difference. And most of the time, you'll find that they're going to save their fees um, as, as a result of the purchase you know, ne- negotiations as well. So they're, they're the big key ones, I think. 
And I think one, one other key thing that I'll add to that, which you touched on very much at the beginning of this, was the deal that you didn't go ahead with. And I think <laughs> you don't do anything, nothing is going to change. So, um, so yeah, certainly education, surrounding yourself with key people, but but actually going out and doing it. There's never a perfect market. There's never a perfect time. The perfect time is now to actually get out there and, and take the first step. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time, Joe. It's been amazing to be able to share your experience um, in property and, and what buyers agents do. We'll be putting your buyers agency details in the show notes. So if anybody wants to connect with you to have you help them find the right property for them, then they can do that there. But thanks so much for your time. And I can't wait to work together in the future. My pleasure. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you so much for listening. This is Building Lifestyles, a show designed to help everyday Australians create a lifestyle that inspires them using property development strategies. This podcast was produced by the Rising Star Developer. We've been helping Australians realise their financial and lifestyle goals since 2020. We play a pivotal role in educating, supporting and celebrating the goals and successes of our students and our community. To find out how we can help you realise your property, wealth and lifestyle goals, head to our website www.risingstardeveloper.com.au. To make sure you don't miss an episode of Building Lifestyles, be sure to subscribe to and follow the show in your favourite podcast app. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review as it really helps others find the show. I'm Amanda McEwen and we'll be back next episode with more tips on how you can build your lifestyle.